Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Jose Negron, on VoiceAmerica.com on the Variety Channel. We're hosting the lead technology show, T3, today, tomorrow's technologies, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or noon East Coast time. Let me just say that you can follow us on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, so see your local listing for the exact time in the morning or evening programs at voiceamerica.com, the Variety Channel. As always, I'd like to thank my listeners. Uh, It's amazing when I look at the statistics of the number of U.S. listeners in the international audience. We're up to about 13, 14 countries. As a reminder, the purpose of the show is real easy. Bring in the engineers, innovators, uh, the techies to talk to the non-techies. It's a discussion about new technology, new innovation, new science projects, uh, which provides us the gadgets that uh, makes our lives a little bit more comfortable. And it's a formula that we've followed. Uh, to keep the audience involved, please call us at 866-472-5788 or email me at todaytomorrowstechnology at gmail.com. Today's discussion is a discussion on technology and innovation. During, during our program's T3, we have discussed the importance of uh, many technologies and innovations such as artificial intelligence, unmanned aerial vehicles, robots, cyber, radio frequency spectrum expansion. We talked a little bit about satellites, rockets, solar energy, space, space transportation, uh, for, uh, technology for first adopters. Why do people become the first adopters for new technology? The need for automation digitalization, and finally, education. We really need to start looking at it, how we educate 21st century student and the technology that this influence brings to our society. Today, it's, um, I'd just like to talk about technology and innovation and how it's helped our lives. Uh, what do we seek from the new technology and how does that impact our lives? Our guest today is Mr. Dick Ross. I'd like to talk to Dick because he's a former Navy aviator and a technology expert. Uh, Dick likes to talk about uh, all the gadgets that he ends up purchasing. He's really a first-time adopter. He's an early adopter, and I'd just like to welcome Mr. Dick Ross to the show. Dick, let's just go ahead and get started. Uh, you know, let's talk about uh, one of the latest gadgets that you bought about a year ago you were so proud of, and that was the Apple Watch. So tell me a little bit about that Apple Watch and why did you get it? Okay, well, I I got it because, shoot, I always wanted a Dick Tracy watch. But actually, it uh, it just looked like a good idea to take an extension of your your phone, your iPhone, and be able to uh, have it on your wrist. And so uh, that's what I decided to do. And uh, uh, when I looked into it, I saw that it had a lot of functions that I thought could be useful. And uh, I've, I've been uh, rather pleased with it. Uh, I, I got an early one. Now they're fairly waterproof. Mine isn't, so I have to be a little careful with it. But um, I, it comes in handy. It's an extension. Uh, as I said, uh, on occasions, if I can't reach my phone, I can go in and I can talk right to my wrist and I can answer a <laughs> phone call. Uh, not that I use it for the calls much, but when those kind of situations happen, it's really good. It's good for it's, exercising and the timers. That's, if I don't have it on, that's what I miss. 
because it's, it's yeah. a little, you can set any kind of timer you want, real easy, and uh, I, I just, uh, to me, it's, uh, it's got a lot of functionality uh, over a regular watch, and I like that. And the fact that it'll sit there and give you a little tactile bump uh, when you've got the map mode on, when it's time to turn, that's kind of an added bonus, too. Okay, so it's got a lot of functionality. It's something that you aspire to. We all looked at our uh, wrist on the watch, and I, I know you specifically like the function of uh, finding your phone on the on the watch itself. So that helps out in the fit. Oh, that as one, you yeah. Said. yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are all good ones. And we talked a little bit about Apple last week. Uh, it's amazing. It's taken about 17 years. They've got the latest. Same thing with the Androids. Uh, so take a look at that. Uh, what I like about Dick is every time I, I start talking to Dick, he's got uh, the latest gadget and he talks about it. And, you know, last week or a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the early adopters. And, and uh, of course, Dick Ross is definitely one of those. I mean, the early adopter theory really was discovered by a scholar, Everett Rogers. And, of course, uh, Jeffrey Moore was the technology consultant that really developed the theory that says that, uh, understanding the factors that can accelerate or inhibit the spread of adoption of a new idea within the community or organization. And we talked about uh, really the uh, the five stages. The innovators, about 2.5% of the people get that first watch, as Dick does. Then the early adopters, like I consider myself one, are within the 15, uh, 13, uh, 13 to 15% range. The early majority, about 34%. And then, of course, the late majority, okay, everybody is moving to the new watch, so I might as well get one too. And finally, the laggers are the folks who finally give up and says, okay, I can't buy my old gadget, so I might as well go ahead and cave in and I'll buy the new one. So that's the uh, theory on early adopters. Uh, same th- it's not only in technology. Uh, the ladies use it a lot in clothes. They're trying to influence. That's the reason they use the popular movie stars and actresses and models to uh, uh, do that, but uh, I find it quite interesting. So if you're, uh, depending on where you are on that scale, either an early adopter as an innovator, um, early adopter, early majority, uh, a late majority, or a lagger, uh, just think about it. Another thing I'd like to ask is, what have you adopted lately, uh, either through fashion or technology or or systems like uh, new radio systems uh, that you need? So give us a call, 866-472-5788. We'd love to hear you. And, uh, you know, I've been studying uh, new innovations and development of new gadgets for over 40 years. And what, what I love about Dick, he's been doing the same thing for the last 40-plus years. And, Dick, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Jets. You know, we've got the new F-22 coming out. We've got the F-35 that's been in the news. Uh, the issue uh, just last week we had on our podcast on 2 April 19, Emerging Technology and Innovation from uh, the Department of Defense. We had a uh, guest speaker, Patrick Tucker, the technology editor for Defense One. He's been there about four years and he talked about we need to be aware of the technology, especially the discussions about the fifth uh, generation fighters, which is the F-35. But most importantly, he brought out that cost, the capability of the airplane, the schedules, 
these are the large tech programs in DOD are still critical, and it's very important for the program manager to stay on top of the material costs of software, hardware, and the maintenance of these jets because they run up the price tag. <laughs> Recently, we just heard, you know, when President uh, Trump got uh, elected, uh, Boeing was going to sell him Air Force One. He was complaining about the price too high for Boeing. They lowered it, but I just found out that uh, the price has gone up a third. So the question comes back, why do, do the prices keep going up? And of course, sustainment becomes the challenge to keep the cost and the capabilities aircraft down, and that's 80% of the cost. Uh, Dick, uh, as you were stationed in uh, Fallon, Nevada, can you describe one of those uh, topics or issues that you may have had following new technology? Well, I mean, uh, uh, when I was out there, that's uh, that's where the Navy does their uh, air and their air wing, their, their full complement of aircraft training. And uh, the Navy was the, uh, I started with a, a system called, uh, at that time, uh, TACS, Tactical Air Crew Training System. And basically, it was a uh, uh, a pod that was added to every aircraft that came out there to train on this uh, threat range uh, that would locate the aircraft. It would show its attitude, its uh, what it was doing, basically, if it was trying to shoot missiles or drop bombs or whatever, and all that. And it all was relayed through a network. Well, this this started back in the uh, um, oh the oh early '80s, uh, rudimentary, and then. Uh, in the late 80s, I got out there, and they, it was the largest of the systems. That was pretty expensive stuff. Uh, a lot of uh, contract support was required. But um, with it came, uh, came a lot of capability. All of a sudden, we had all of our fighter pilots and all that who used to, in the Navy, call it shoot to watch. They, said they're about, they, they always win everything because there's nobody really watching what they do. And all of a sudden, here's a system that's reporting back to a debrief room and the air crews can come back in there and actually see who did what and at what time it was done. And it's all been recorded. Well, that was, that was kind of greeted with uh, mild enthusiasm, but it, it, has, it has become uh, very useful uh, for, for precision training. So. But the cost is there, and uh, this kind of uh, thing, is, uh, is it worth it? And I say it is. Yeah, as we continue to develop it, especially in the military, and I'm sure in the commercial market too, we've you know you've got the apples and the androids out there, and various systems. I mean, I'm looking at the, you know the the pod systems, uh, earpods, uh, just came out with the latest uh, adaption because the battery life was going down, and I'm sitting here with uh, my headset looking at uh, getting the new one for the radio show. All these technologies just evolve, and uh, what was one of the biggest challenge you faced? Was it uh, the introduction of the new technology or just monitoring where the technology went to and to reduce cost? I mean, or what is uh, well, some of the it, issues it, you uh, had? From my, end, from my end, it wasn't the cost issue. That belonged to the program managers uh, back in Washington, D.C. My issue running the, uh, the Fallon Complex was the acceptance by the flyers and the air crews. Uh, as I said, they were a little lukewarm on it because they didn't, they didn't really like the fact that Big Brother was watching them once they took off and saw everything they did. And not that they were doing things wrong, but they couldn't come back and say, hey, I saved the whole world because I did all this. And they come back and see a replay and say, you know, guess what? That Marine Corps Harrier shot you down over here. And they yeah. go, oh, man. 
So they weren't too keen on it. So it was a cultural challenge was a big part for me for because it was a new technology. Right. It was the bragging rights to say I did something, but now you got the uh, the video to prove that you didn't do it. So the bragging yeah, rights yeah, was... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, the fact uh, on occasion when someone would uh, go uh, supersonic where they're not supposed to go supersonic, well, you knew where that was, exactly who it was, and exactly what time it was, what altitude he was at, etc. And when he came wow. back and played the tapes, that didn't go over real well, at least with right, the... Right. Uh, the, the one that exceeded his speed limit, if you will. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, well, let's move on. Uh, I want to introduce two new products, uh, uh, Medical Advances. Uh, the product, of course, is the Pneumobag Kit. It's a topical hyperbaric chamber. It heals uh, severe wounds and burns. And what I like about it uh, specifically, it leaves no scarring. Uh, there was an earlier show, uh, veteran uh, talking about uh, burns. And so I need to contact uh, the son's uh, of Eagles uh, and discuss that a little bit more. Because uh, I think uh, Ryan Parrott was there, and the Sons of the Flag organization was just talking about burns. But what I love about the Numa bag is that it leaves no scarring. It's easy to use, and it's of course a lot cheaper, and it can be basically uh, anywhere in the world. And then the second product I'd like to talk about is new Chroma. Uh, which aids folks with a number of vision issues, as described by its inventor, Dr. Uh, uh, Brad Chase. Uh, these two products, of course, can be listened to on voiceofamerica.com, the variety channel. Look up T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technology, and see the two podcasts. Pneumobag Kit aired uh, with a discussion of Dr. Felton on the uh, January 29th, 2019. It was part two, Technology Innovation Pneumobag Kit, and the new Chroma uh, podcast uh, the chroma lens is aired on the January 22nd technology and innovation how cool is it so if you want to know more a little bit more about those two products please uh, uh, take a look at those uh, and uh, tune in to those podcasts Dick as we talk about these medical products are there's um, you know as you gone through all the history that you have to do uh, the physical uh, getting in shape all the uh, adversities that you had to counter uh, to get in shape to be a, a Navy aviator, what are some of the things you're confronting now? Well, actually, uh, as I first came into it, uh, you know, the new technology wasn't uh, so much, I, oh, I don't remember a whole lot of it back then, tell you. but as, uh, as I get up in age, I'm becoming a, quite a bit more knowledgeable on, on some of the um, uh, remedial medicines and, and technologies, uh, the particle beam technologies, or people call them radiation treatments and this, that, and the other, uh, the Calypso, the CyberKnife, the non-invasive uh, surgeries that are going on nowadays where we're, nowadays where we're, we're inserting uh, very small uh, aperture uh, devices in to do internal, uh, basically surgery, and they've got an um, optical fiber right with them They've got little microelectromechanical systems that read back to the uh, doctor exactly how much pressure he's putting where so he doesn't break something inadvertently when he, uh, shoot, they run, uh, you know, they run, they'll do heart surgeries, many heart surgeries. They run uh, it right up through uh, the main artery in the leg. So that's a long wow. way to go. And their things yeah. are really moving along there. And I was just talking, my wife's in the medical field and all that. But a lot of the replacement surgeries that are going on now for uh, for joints, uh, they're mm-hmm. getting now to where they don't 
in some cases, they don't actually have to go in there and you know, saw out the old joint. They go in through the ligament, and they take out little pieces and insert a new piece of synthetic joint. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable stuff, and it's, it's only going to, uh, you know, our medicine is only going to get more and more powerful, and as most people that even just read a, casually read the paper, with the new technology comes cost, and cost is always an issue with this uh, yep. new technology no, applications, can, uh, <laughs> whether it's fighter planes or medicine. Exactly, and I can uh, remember, uh, you know, the knee operation. That was always something that you always had a problem with, especially if you played football. Someone's always taking you out at uh, low, low, uh, at your ankles or at your knees. And I remember people get, getting cut and replacing the knee ligaments and joints and whatever. And sometimes they just cut the wrong leg, so it just happens. But uh, we've yeah, got about I, a minute left or so. Uh, I'd like to introduce two new topics. Uh, probably uh, our favorites. Uh, the last several uh, months has been uh, our discussion on the robotic industry and space exploration. Let's just start off with the robotic industry a little bit and talk about that. And then maybe at the uh, end of the hour, we can uh, pull and work a little bit different uh, and talk about the space exploration. Okay, uh, let, let's just talk. For me, the robotic industry became a reality uh, not only from uh, the autonomous vehicle, uh, uh, driverless cars, but also the uh, unmanned aerial vehicles. And that became the f- my first introduction to the unmanned aerial vehicle was back in the uh, 90s as uh, the military was using those for uh, uh, for Bosnia. And it was like a soda straw, and they didn't get too far. And um, they continued to reproduce them and of course now we've got global hawks that sits up in the air five or ten days uh, monitoring and so forth and so on so automation has really improved and so uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about that we've got about 30 seconds Dick uh, give me a little snapshot and we'll hold the rest of it uh, after we come back from our commercial break here okay well just uh, to set the wayback machine uh, on robotics and as I was going through uh, my undergraduate school uh, college in uh, industrial engineering we were looking at uh, plant layout and manufacturing all the different kinds of manufacturing tools and all that and late 60s early 70s the US was uh, the pr- premier uh, automated uh, tooling uh, mm-hmm. builder if you will there's a company called Cincinnati Cincinnati machines and well, what we were aware of back then was Cincinnati numerical machines where they ran little okay. tapes through them and the machines would do all kinds of precision uh, uh, tooling and making parts and all that. Well, I okay, think this well, kept hold, hold that some and, thought there, Dick. Let's go. Yeah. Folks, today's discussion is uh, discussion on technology and innovation. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to talk, uh, continue our discussion on robotic and the space exploration and we'll be right back after our first commercial break. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we're sitting here uh, discussing uh, uh, discussing technology and innovation. My guest speaker today is Mr. Dick Ross, former Navy aviator and technology enthusiast. Dick and I, before we went off to the first break, we were just about getting started on the robotic industry and an expansion, and as well as autonomous vehicle. And I just want to continue that discussion here, there about the uh, you know the automobile and the assembly line. That's where a lot of the robotics was uh, starting to grow with its capability, and of course. Uh, from my perspective, the first time I started uh, looking at uh, robotics was during the unmanned aerial vehicle development. And, of course, Dick has different experiences. So I'd like to just turn to Dick and say, Dick, uh, let's uh, reintroduce the Japanese uh, issue as they became uh, premier robotic builders. Okay, well, what I was uh, saying earlier, the U.S. was actually the lead in that stuff uh, back in the 60s and about 70. The Japanese came in with full intention to expand robotics past just making parts. And now, uh, you know, no sense in mentioning the company, but you can Google pretty quick and you can see, oh, there's a Japanese company and you'll find that part name on a whole bunch of stuff. And it doesn't surprise me, they have a lot of the super advanced uh, six-axis robotic systems that are out there. And those, uh, those uh, are principal pieces of the robotics that are Mm -hmm. bringing a lot of uh, less expensive things to us consumers. And what I mean by that is, you know, some of the things we buy, the the tools, parts, and all that, they're made by machines, so it's cheaper to make them. Uh, Anyway, we've progressed a long way. We've used those capabilities for automated sensors and all, and now we're applying it to unmanned vehicles, cars, and and spacecraft. Absolutely. I'd just like to tell our audience, and I've, I've said this over and over, 
uh, automation is no longer a question of when, it's how. And then how will automation impact our future, your business, your industry, your workforce, your career? And the reason uh, robotics have become such a interesting or the numbers continue to grow year after year is because the robot is no longer a single um, uh, task robot. It's a collaborative robot. It's easy to program. It's easier to uh, work those places that, uh, you know, require uh, strict uh, repetition or uh, dangerous jobs. So, you know, your uh, robot safety and risk assessment uh, continues to improve. And of course, if that improves, your cost effectiveness and the time spent out of the office uh, for your employees uh, also improves. So that's kind of interesting. Let me just give you a little uh, factoid here. Robot shipped in North America companies is a record number last year. Uh, the non-automobile companies installing robot uh, statistics came from the Robotic Industry Association, and it shows that uh, there was 35,000 units were shipped in uh, 2018, 7% increased over uh, 2017, and 16,000 shipped to non-automobile companies, and that was up 41%. So the bottom line is uh, the heavy users for robotics at one time were the automobile industry. But the robotic expansion to non-automobile companies continue to grow, and it's 41%, which is a tremendous increase. So uh, I'd like to move on to uh, the the second largest topic that we talked about is space, space exploration. And there's three uh, podcasts there. I'd just like to make a quick introduction. On uh, March the uh, 5th, 2019, Space, the Next Frontier, you can take a look at that. Uh, February 19th, uh, What Do We Know About Space? And in January 27th, uh, 2018, uh, Back to Mars, uh, Black Friday, and Self-Driving Vehicles. And you talk about uh, those three podcasts right there. We talked a little bit about space, but space continues to grow. And I do think the transition between government to commercial or to really it's a partnership between commercial government and uh, and that collaboration uh, with the various universities and NASA has improved but the the one thing that really improved when NASA and the US government decided to uh, put out a multi-phase uh, contract or program and fund a commercial crew development where they invited commercial companies to participate that's when uh, you know the US government is getting out of the space shuttle business and the first phase of that was to do research and development uh, for human space uh, flight. Uh, they were discovering uh, concepts and discoveries of new technologies. Then the second phase of that uh, commercial crew development occurred with the development of, uh, uh, of design and development of systems. Uh, they wanted uh, U.S. vehicles that could fly astronauts to the space shuttles. And then, of course, the third phase of that established the end-to-end design, including spacecraft, launch vehicles, launch services. And the bottom line is, here we have two competitors, SpaceX and Boeing. So here, uh, SpaceX and Boeing are scheduled to fly to the International Space Station 2019-2024, and it's happening before our eyes right now. Uh, SpaceX has launched with Falcon 9 uh, several missions to the space um, station, but more importantly, uh, the goal is to fly to the moon by 2023 and have cargo to Mars by 2020. 
two and a manned flight by 2024. So space is going to be the next frontier. I'll keep saying that. It uh, has uh, tremendous potential. We're we're doing a lot of work in space, a lot of discovery. It's a, t- it's a partnership and a collaborative uh, form between government and private companies. I think that's the way you're going to have to go. SpaceX is really um, – taking the lead i've got to get back to uh getting some more facts on boeing and what they're doing in the space business but the bottom line is the u.s government's committed to go back to the moon and the u.s government's committed to go to mars uh dick you got any uh more information on any of those topics yeah uh you know uh on that subject yeah last month i was uh watching pretty closely with the uh the crew dragon spacex oh, yeah. uh the use of yeah. their certified uh system autonomously sent up and docked you know with mm-hmm. the space station and uh, that was a preliminary before they actually start moving people around and i started uh, checking around with the boeing stuff and they're they're going to be uh flying their uh uh, uh, uh crew uh, capability here uh later this year if i remember correctly so they're they're both moving and it's, and it's really good to have uh have a little variety there you know what 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 the uh, user needs there's just there's a little variety on what he can select from the shelf for fulfilling a space mission. Right, right. I, I just find it kind of fascinating uh, as people sign up and really the colonization of Mars uh, and the moon for the minerals. Uh, you know, uh, SpaceX is uh, moving out on that. Uh, Ed, Ed uh, Musk is really uh, pushing the industry forward with that and challenging the governments to uh, be part of that. Uh, so let's let's quickly turn uh, now for another innovation that's influenced our lives, uh, probably made it a little bit better. And uh, I'll call it the uh, portable phone or the cell phones. Uh, back, my first cell phone back in the, uh, I, I'm going to say early uh, mid 80s, I guess. Uh, there used to be a cell phone in a car. And uh, that was kind of interesting. It was novel approach. Everybody wanted a car, or not everybody, but you had cars with cell phones, and they would talk to uh, uh, different folks. And then they finally, it wasn't mobile enough because you weren't in your car, car all the time. The only person who was in the car all the time was a salesperson, and uh, just just wasn't practical. And then I can remember my my buddy uh, got a uh, phone bag, but uh, the thing was as big as a suitcase, and I didn't want to carry one of those things. And finally. I uh, ended up going to school and became a protocol officer, and I ended up not working at home. My wife was uh, was picking on me. She could never find me, so finally I, I gave her my telephone uh, number for my cell phone. Mine was the first uh, Motorola, off the, and it was the size of a brick. I loved it because she can contact me anytime she wanted to, and it just became convenient. But now I look at where we're at today, you know, uh, the cameras that it has, the uh, you still have the same phone capability, uh, the ability to go anywhere you want to. I mean, worldwide now that you can use it. And so th- those were some of the initial limitations uh, that I experienced when I was using my phone. So the portable phone or the cell phone or smartphone, as we call them today, when we think about the um, the uh, computerization, uh, the optimization of that phone, the capability with all the apps, it is a tremendous, almost a supercomputer in your hands. Uh, Dick, any uh, information on your first phone or any thoughts well, about that? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny you should talk about the bricks. That was a common uh, comment Turn. from uh, Navy guys about the, the Air Force guys always running around with these bricks in their hands. You know, uh, we found it kind of interesting. 
But to the phones themselves, I remember early 90s, I think, is when you could get a fairly affordable small phone, a little flip phone, a little Motorola or something. And I believe that's when I first got one. You know, the, uh, the airtime was a little more expensive then than it is now, but the phone worked fine. Uh, one thing I do remember, though, is forget about texting. Fortunately, we didn't do a whole lot back then because they were not built for texting until a smartphone came out. Yeah, the smartphone today is just amazing. Uh, I, I find it uh, quite interesting. And, of course, the, the size of the storage capacity, you know, the 512 uh, gigabytes there. So that, that's quite impressive. And, uh, you know, I, I look back as uh, first-generation iPhones was released in 2007. Uh, the first uh, Android was unveiled in 2007. So it's quite interesting to listen to that. Of course, the uh, newest phone for iPhone are, is the uh, XS, and uh, it took them about 12 years later to get that out. And then, of, of course, the uh, 9 Pi is the latest for the Android, and uh, additionally, uh, 12, 12 years. Uh, one of the things I always like to talk about is uh, smart homes, smart uh, lights, uh, whatever you want to call it, but the smart homes. I love the smart locks entering the door, the security system, uh, the ability to monitor refrigerator, your stove, turn that on, off, the ability to uh, turn on the lights, turn on the security um, system within the house or the security system outside with the video cam. Uh, I, I've always been impressed by that as a small kid. I don't know if I, I read it when I was a kid and I just wondered about it or I saw it on a cartoon or whatever, but it has always fascinated me about uh, smart homes, the ability to turn on the TV or stereo system or pull down the shades. And I don't know, it's kind of my little, uh, uh, I guess, uh, item of interest more than anything else. Uh, anything on smart homes, Dick? Oh, well, I, I see the stuff coming, and I have some of those uh, systems myself, some of the uh, the video, the doorbells, and the surveillance cameras and all that uh, running through Wi-Fi. But as far as adopting the smart appliances and networking all of my um, uh, uh, apparatus, if you will, through a single network, um, I don't know. I'm a little leery of it. I'm, it hackers. Uh, you get a hacker yeah. in there, and he's... It, yeah, that's a security uh, the more threat you, is The more issue. you stick on a network, the more you're going to allow somebody to get into if they get into your network. Yep, yep, yep. And that's a, that's definitely an issue uh, that we need to be uh, careful about. But I, I, I sit here as you were talking and I was thinking about the first uh, smart gadget that I saw was the, uh, uh, what is it, the clap system where you would clap twice and your light would turn on. You remember that? That uh, oh yeah advertisement. yeah that, that was yeah. like twenty thirty years ago I think <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I was sitting there looking at that I go okay well yeah it's a sound uh, reaction uh, and it would turn on the light so it was it was kind of funny uh, more anything else and the other thing was the uh, you know the built in mics uh, throughout the homes that used to be popular in the seventies and eighties uh, built uh, the, because the houses were uh, especially in the larger homes how do you how do you know who's where and how do I 
contact him. And so you had all these speaker phones. Now we've gone into the security camera, just about every room, and you can find the person. So it's kind of interesting as uh, technology has evolved. It's either made your life easier and, and facilitated uh, your lifestyle, or it's compl- uh, uh, made it more complex. Uh, you, I guess you, it's the eye of the beholder, you know, just like beauty is, and you have to decide. Uh, but I, I love it. Uh, let's let's talk about motorcycles, Dick. Uh, what what has improved on motorcycles? Uh, you have, uh, uh, I guess, two large ones and a mini. I have two large. I have two large ones myself. Uh, I love them and and uh, just started riding again about two years ago. So tell me about the motorcycles and what has improved on them. Well, okay. I, the, the mini I have, shoot, it's a hand me back from my kids. I bought it for them back in the eighties. Uh, actually, I used to sell the, those little minis. They came out when I was going through college. So that was, anyway, back in uh, uh, about 1970 or so. And I've still got this old one, and I like it. There's no battery, no nothing. Uh, it's, um, I, I put it in the shed for the winter. In the summer, I'll take it out. I'll take it uh, when I go uh, racing with my car. I'll use it in the pit. But it's just a little kick starter magneto on it, on-off switch, and that's it. It's simple. Yeah. Then I go to my one of my other bikes, then my bigger bikes, uh, um, a fairly new uh, on off-road bike. Well, it's got all the gadgets. It's got the uh, ABS, the braking system, and it's got all kinds of monitors on it and all that. One thing I do know, these new systems, just like the cars, if you let them sit for a long time, the battery's going to go dead because they're sitting there thinking all the time. And so that's a big difference I see between my old tech and my new tech. My old tech, I can put it away for the winter, take it out, and just crank it right up. My new tech, if I don't keep it charged up, it's not going to crank. It's uh, that's uh, it, and that is an interesting story. Uh, I end up tethering mine. I, I can tell you the difference between not tethering and, t- and tethering uh, this year was a lot easier, and um, because after cranking, like you said, they go dead. The battery goes dead, and you got to recharge the battery. And I hated taking those seats off and redoing it because it only takes you a minute, uh, you know, a minute to get it done. Anyway, we got a minute left. Let me just uh, summarize a little bit. Uh, uh, we've been talking a little bit about uh, robotic. We've been talking about uh, space. Our discussion today is technology and innovation. My guest speaker today is Mr. Uh, uh, Dick Ross, former Navy aviator, uh, really a um, uh, technology enthusiast, uh, early adopter for most uh, technology items, and he just loves uh, gadgets, uh, system engineer uh, from the Navy, and he's a true technology enthusiast. So uh, we're going to go off to our second commercial break. We'll be right back in here shortly, and we'll be talking about other technologies and other innovations, specifically the self-driving cars. Take care. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. 
on the Voice America Variety Channel. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best, and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one -one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune into Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Uh, this is Jose Negron, your uh, uh, T3 host. I'm here uh, discussing uh, technology and innovation. My guest today is Mr. Dick Ross, an av aviator and, and most enthusiastic person I know about uh, new technology and a true technology innovator. He's just an early adopter for most technologies, except for his smart home. He's uh, lagging a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, Dick, let's. Uh, you said you had a couple comments on robotics uh go ahead and let's tell the audience about robotics and where are we in automation on that well, well one of the areas that i don't think we've talked to a lot that most people are probably pretty familiar with it uh anybody that orders anything from amazon or qvc or whatever you know these big uh, companies they fire that stuff out the door pretty quick and they do it with robotics and a couple of years ago, I went. I'm right near a major uh, logistics center here uh, in uh, the Reno Tahoe yeah. area. Yes. And I, uh, instead of having them ship me uh, some race tires, I just drove 20 miles over to the big warehouse area. Anyway, I went in to get my tires, and uh, a lady at the front she she put in a few numbers into a computer. Here comes a robot and bringing the tires out. And I looked. This this place was bigger than a football field. And there was robots running all over it. And it was just pretty impressive to see that kind of uh, logistics at work with robotics. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and, and they continue to grow. I mean, uh, as I said earlier, the automobile industry used them, uh, you know, for regular assembly, paint job, all the hazardous uh, duties that they needed to use them. Now, other businesses uh, like unloading trucks or stacking uh, warehouses, and as you just uh, gave us a true example, bringing your tires to the front, you know, uh, probably getting out of the shelf and putting it in the 
four tires there and bringing it to you. So it's quite interesting. Robotics here to stay. It's just uh, as I keep saying, it's not. Uh, it's, it is going to happen. We've got to be ready for it. But I love it because it brings out other businesses. So we cannot be scared of it. Uh, we talked a little bit about the phone. Uh, I used to have a Motorola brick phone. Now I have an XS Apple. I love my uh, my phone, the smartphone. It's like a supercomputer in my hand. Uh, one of the things I don't like right now is my AirPods because I seem to be um, either losing them or a few folks from my office keeps gra- grabbing my AirPods and take them with them. And I, I'm on my third set right now, and I'm getting a little bit annoyed at that. So, uh, but they say the new AirPods have uh, you know a real futuristic look. Uh, the battery lasts longer, and it's a lot better uh, AirPod design. So uh, that that's always interesting. And of course, uh, uh, I, I love the AirPods because I, I tr- you know I, I I have to multitask. I have to use my hands. Any any uh, Dick? Any uh, uh, information on the, any other? Apple products or Android products or smartphones? Well, now I just go back to your AirPods. Uh, I, uh, I was given a, a, a set by my son a few years ago, and I like them. And especially I uh, like them when I'm out uh, going skiing or something like that, driving my truck. My truck doesn't have Bluetooth, so I, I can't oh. do hands-free uh, uh, phone yeah. work or anything like that uh, with the car, since the car doesn't co- uh, connect to my phone. But I put in those little AirPods, and I'm set. They work perfect. It's like, oh, well, it's cheaper than buying a new car. I just stick these things in my ears, and then I have what the new cars have as far as uh, connectability between your smartphone and your car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's switch a little bit. Let's talk about the uh, self-driving cars, uh, the autonomous vehicles. Uh, let me just give the audience uh, we've done a couple shows uh, on our podcast. Uh, the first one was, of course, our first show, uh, January 9th, 2018, uh, a driverless car, the beginning of the autonomous vehicle. And then, of course, we had another one that we talked about uh, on uh, uh, June 26, 2018. We talked about off-road racing and and so that that's been quite interesting, uh, Dick. Let's let's talk, give me your experience. You were out there a couple times uh, uh, on the um, on the Grand Challenge, uh, and what was your experience throughout that process? And then I'll talk a little bit about Sal Fish as we went to uh, get him to help us uh, build the Grand Challenge and and uh, develop the course. Well, you know, having. Uh uh, participated in all three. The uh, the original one that uh, that you ran, uh, the the second one about a year and a half later, and then finally the Urban Challenge. It was I was just uh, amazed at how people were taking the new automated sensors uh, that were commercially available and starting to integrate them into vehicles, and uh, the progress they made in three years to to actually have cars that would comply with California driving rules and do an Urban Challenge. That that was uh, that was pretty fast. Quite impressed. Wow. And, you know, it's. Uh, I'm sitting here, when we first started doing the Grand Challenge, of course, we had uh, lots of uh, requirements we had to uh, uh, really uh, deliver to uh, Dr. Tether at the time. Uh, Tom uh, uh, Strat was my uh, uh, 
deputy program manager and of course Sal Fish and his brother Paul or nephew Paul Fish uh, did a lot of the coursework. What was interesting to me was Sal saying, "You're going to do what? And when are you going to do this?" And said, "We're going to drive, uh, you know, self-driveless cars in the desert, and we're going to drive them for you know 100 plus miles. It was 142 miles. And at that time, we uh, brought 25 to Fontana Raceway. We brought 15 to the desert, and five of them went over five miles. So I was real uh, pleased with that. But now sitting here with my new uh, vehicle, 2018, 2019, I look back into the cars, and they've got uh, you know uh, self park." They've got sensors, they've got cameras, they've got, uh, you know, uh, the technology package of uh, staying in the lanes, if you de- uh, deviate from the lanes, they've got uh, alarms, bells and whistles telling you you need to pull over and get coffee. So I find it kind of comical at times because uh, some of those same topics were talked about, uh, you know, when these guys, engineers, young students were developing the uh, new autonomous vehicle and they talked about um, enhancing and providing the warnings uh, uh, about that you have do you have a funny story you can tell the audience when you were in the command post looking at the the vehicles as they ran on the track well i don't it, it i i can't think of anything really uh you know, humorous but it, it was interesting the way we had uh updates every second and watching how those vehicles were leaving out of uh slash x and uh, the uh, the smoothness of their runs up until we had the uh, had a uh, you know uh, a kind of a breakdown or a stuck vehicle if you will uh, that, that stopped everything, it was uh, quite impressive just to to watch how smoothly these uh, these vehicles started headed down down some pretty nasty roads roads that uh, I would only take my uh, dirt bike on you know. Right. And uh, and uh, what people don't realize, I mean, when we had that first grand challenge, my biggest uh, fear was to, to ensure that we made it at least difficult enough. And I was real happy after uh, Southfish got a hold of about uh, 20 of his uh, Baja 1,550 drivers to drive the route itself. We had about uh, 14 to 16 different routes and different forms of completions. And uh, that was one of the mysteries was we wouldn't tell the uh, the drivers where they would drive. <clears throat> Excuse me for just a second. But uh, as I look back at it, uh, it was quite interesting to see uh, where, uh, how the vehicles have developed. Where are we with, uh, you know, Tesla, Mercedes, uh, Ford, um, the electrical cars are coming on board, the self-driving cars. There's not one fully self-driving cars. There's still a uh, human in the loop there. And you have to watch out and you have to be careful. So that's something that's interesting. I uh, like to talk about Amazon is supporting self-driving car startup uh, Aurora. Uh, it's uh, and of course it went into uh, uh, Sequoia Capital and it just gave them a five hundred and thirty million dollars Series B round of funds and uh, the reason they did that is uh, uh, Aurora is a three-year-old startup. It uh, brought together Chris. Uh, Armson, former leader for uh, Alphabet, um, uh, which is the Weimel project, and Sterling Anderson, the previous Tesla autopilot uh, person, and brought those two together to start off with their own uh, uh, company to support Aurora. 
And, uh, you know, self-driving cars is, uh, it's going to be here, but my dream, and we're not quite there was to get in the car, tell it to go to the grocery store. It would maneuver, uh, take you to the grocery store and bring you back home. It's always been that, uh, that was the goal, uh, with a little input to it. And we're not quite there, but, uh, little by little we're getting there. So, um, we've got about three more minutes, uh, Dick, anything, uh, any topic you'd like to bring up? Well, it's just uh, you're, you're talking about the autonomous vehicles and all that. I, I've read in some articles, and I can see it coming. Uh, there's a, uh, a comparison to the movie that was done all years ago, Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger, uh, Total Recall. Well, in that movie, uh, there was an autonomous cab, Johnny Cab, which uh, he used to go from play, point A to point B. Well, I, you know, Johnny Cab is probably going to be here in the next five years or so, if, yeah, or less. Oh yeah, well, Uber Uber's got it. Uh, the uh, there's a university in uh, well the a French university right now. There's uh, French have uh, accelerated their autonomous vehicles. Uh, they've got a bus. They got a car. Uh, right now, uh, most of the large mining companies have these autonomous. Uh, big trucks, uh, massive trucks to uh, collect uh, the ore and bring them around or move them around. So a lot of the autonomous uh, technology, the self-piloting type technology is out there. The question is, how do we get it into the normal, normal um, day-to-day car-to-car uh, interaction? And that's that's always caution. You know, we've had our Tesla issues. We've had our uh, Wymo issues with the Google car. Uh, we're not quite there. To, they still do that mistake they're not a hundred percent proof but it it does improve driving i mean i'm sitting there talking to a good friend of mine um and he says hey uh, the going from texas to washington dc driving the tesla and he put it on uh you know almost an autopilot uh and auto drive where he has to monitor it but it goes right over those bridges you know and he goes it's it's amazing to sit there and look at it and, and the car driving itself so he's having a lot of fun doing that uh, as we uh, continue to wrap up the, the program here, uh, we've got a little bit less than uh, three minutes. Folks, we've been talking today uh, about technology and innovation. We uh, spoke to uh, my guest today is, of course, uh, Mr. Dick Ross, former Navy aviator and a real technology enthusiast. We talked a little bit about uh, his Apple Watch. We talked about the uh, the theory of early adopters. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, – about uh, the emerging technologies, especially jet fighters uh, on the F-22, F-35. Uh, we review a couple of medical products. Uh, Dick expanded on that, and and that surgery and the new technologies are improving the medical community and making our lives better. Uh, we the explosion of robotics in the, in the various industries uh, that is going on, and of course uh, the future frontier space exploration. And what made that possible was the collaboration of uh, uh, U.S. government, NASA, and the commercial companies with two of the companies uh, leading the way, space. SpaceX and Boeing uh, uh, really uh, launching out and going to the International Space Station. Uh, and, of course, uh, the goal there is to return to the moon and, of course, ret- go to Mars and set up a colony. And Dick and I have talked about our first phone, uh, the brick, and we talked a little bit about uh, his uh, first interaction with uh 
various technologies as he was uh, as, when he was stationed at Fallon. And today, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, self-driving cars. So a lot of the activities going on. I'd just like to thank the audience. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Dick Ross. Dick, we've got about 30 seconds. You got any other inputs? And I'll wrap it up for today. Well, just, uh, you know, back to the autonomous uh, taxis and this, that, and the other. I think recently I saw where the uh, the Chinese have a uh, overgrown quadcopter, which could be used for an air taxi. Um, there's a lot of FAA, or a lot of air control issues, I guess, that would go into that type of thing. But, you know, uh, George Jetson uh, type of mobility uh, in congested areas, uh, that's uh, not too far off in the future either. Yep, yep, yep. No, the air taxis, the uh, air mobility is coming. That's really the next, uh, uh, I guess, the next uh, frontier, at least from uh, the terrestrial side, uh, the improvement of the autonomous vehicle, the self-driving cars, and then, of course, the air taxis and everything. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank our audience for uh, joining us today to, on Today, Tomorrow's Technologies, T3, the lead technology show on uh, Voice America on the Variety Channel. You can check us out uh, a various podcasts. Uh, we uh, run Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, so check your local listing. And more importantly, I'd like to thank Dee Daniels, my executive producer, and of course, uh, Alexander Loreno, Monk, uh, my executive assistant who schedules uh, all the, the shows for me. And for my audience who joined us today, our discussion today is technology innovation, how it's improving our life and uh, improving our, our lifestyles as we move forward so until next week for another technology show this is your host jose negron and we'll see you next week thank you for listening to today tomorrow's technologies we hope you'll join your host jose negron for another exciting program next tuesday at 9 a.m pacific time noon eastern time on the voice america variety channel enjoy the rest of your week